these things. All right, if you have your Bibles this evening, open them with me to the book of James. James chapter 1, we'll look at some familiar verses. James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. And then from there we'll open uh, to Luke, the 8th chapter. But let's begin in James chapter 1. Now, um, we're continuing our study on faithmatics. And um, we will do that uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, I'm excited about uh, some of the things the Lord uh, has been teaching me uh, about uh, this subject. And I'm very excited about sharing it with you. And so uh, we're continuing, uh, again, our study on the subject of faith, faithmatics, specifically has to do uh, with, you know, developing, you know, skill where faith is concerned um, and, and understanding uh, faith on a more practical level uh, as it unfolds and as it operates uh, in and through our lives. And so uh, James uh, chapter 1 verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing all right so again my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing one of the things that we've said over and over again in our study of faith is that faith receives what grace has already given Faith receives what grace has already given. And if you study the scriptures closely, you'll see that healing belongs to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you were healed. Not you will be, uh, but that you were. You have been, past tense. Uh, the same Bible says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The same Bible says that um, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so all of these things that belong to you right now belong to you because of the grace of God. But remember, those things exist in the spiritual realm, and faith is the means, it's the vehicle, if you will, uh, that, that reaches into the realm of the Spirit and brings those blessings and benefits and provisions into the natural or into the physical realm. So faith acts as a bridge between the physical realm and the spiritual realm, and faith enables us to access what's already ours in the realm of the Spirit and bring it into the realm of the physical so that we can enjoy and experience it in our daily lives, in our daily life reality. So, when he's talking here about you being perfect, that word perfect, it, it means uh, well-rounded, full circle, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We know that the only way for a born-again believer to walk in, in that level or quality of life is to do so by faith. And of course, we know that we have an enemy, we have an enemy who is um, resisting us and specifically he is trying to apply pressure to your faith in order to get you to back down from faith because he knows that if you remain in a position of faith that he cannot stop you from experiencing and enjoying all the things that belong to you already. I'm not going to spend a lot of time elaborating on this, but if you study the scriptures that talk about you inheriting the kingdom or you, your inheritance, um, remember, inheriting here means to take possession of what belongs to you. So it's one thing for it to belong to you and be uh, deposited in a spiritual account, 
It's another thing for you to inherit it, for you to take possession of it. And we know, of course, that we inherit these things. We take possession of these things by faith. So this is why the enemy, he knows that he can't steal from you what God has already given to you. But if he can uh, hinder or, or um, pressure you uh, in, in, in this area of faith, uh, he can uh, effectively, it's like one of those old war movies, you know, he can, he can blow up the bridge, so to speak, uh, to shut off that supply line. Remember, we talked last week about the woman with the issue of blood. Her faith made that connection. It bridged uh, you know, the gap between the spiritual healing that was within Jesus, the virtue that was in him, and her need. And she grabbed hold of the hem of his garment by faith, and the virtue, the healing virtue, flowed from Jesus into her without her asking Jesus to, to, to heal her, without Jesus even agreeing to do it. Um, that's how powerful this faith bridge or this faith connection uh, uh, actually is. Now, turn with me to Luke, the 8th chapter. Luke, chapter 8. Praise God, Luke chapter 8. Um, it's hard for me to ever read uh, those first few verses from the book of James without reminding you that if you were to read on down, don't do it now, but if you were to read on a little deeper into the chapter, you would, you would see where God says by the Holy Spirit, let no one say when he's tested, tempted, or tried, he's being tested or tempted or tried by God, because God cannot be tested, tempted, or tried by evil, nor does he test, tempt, or try any man. So we know that Satan is the source um, of our tests, trials, and temptations. And we know that not only do they come from the enemy, but it's the enemy. I know we've already went to Luke 8, but just let me remind you. He says it's not just the, the testing of you. It's not just that you're being tested or you're being tried. But he said it's the testing or the trying of your faith. It's the testing or the trying of your faith. And so again, the enemy wants to apply pressure to your faith uh, to get you to step back from a position that you've taken in faith because he knows if he cannot succeed in doing that, that he cannot stop you from inheriting, taking possession of what belongs to you as a son, a daughter, a child of God. Now, Luke chapter 8 contains uh, the parable of the sower uh, and it begins in verse number four so let's take a minute and read these I don't know it's 11 or 12 verses or so it says and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city he spoke by a parable a sower went out to sow his seed and for those of you who don't are maybe familiar with that term he's talking about sowing planting okay so a sower went out a planter went out to plant his seed and as he planted, sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean and he said to them to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand now the parable is this the seed is the word of God now th th these are uh, some very basic 
principles of faith, uh, but when we say basic, don't think we mean non-important, okay? <laughs> There's few things that are more important. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know of anything, let me say it this way, that's more important uh, when it comes to the fundamentals of faith than what Jesus is teaching us right here, all right? So remember in Romans 10, it says that faith cometh, and, and cometh there was not in the original text. It would literally read faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Um, Romans 12 says that God has given to every person the measure of faith. So what we understand is that every human being on planet earth has a measure of faith deposited within them. And that faith is awakened, aroused, uh, brought to the surface, strengthened. There's all kinds of different words that we can use by hearing the Word of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So in this parable, Jesus is talking about seeds being planted and the soil conditions that that seed lands upon and then ultimately how that affects the, the produce, in other words, what's produced, what's ultimately, um, uh, you know, benefit, uh, how, a, how an individual uh, is benefited uh, by uh, hearing the word and receiving it uh, into their heart. And so again, uh, very fundamental here, he says that the, the word of God is like seed and, and, the, and your heart and the condition of your heart is like soil. But remember, Romans 10 also tells us that with the heart one believes. So notice when the, when the seed of God's Word uh, comes in contact with the soil uh, that is your heart, the faith that is your heart, um, that creates the opportunity for that seed to produce what God sent it forth uh, into your life, into the earth, and ultimately into your life to produce. Okay, Now, we see that soil condition, right, um, has everything to do with whether or not that seed's going to produce its results um, in, an individual, in an individual's life. And matter of fact, we see in, in the first situation here that it, that seed fell on hard ground and the birds of the air came uh, immediately and, and devoured it. They, they stole it. That's what Matthew 13, Matthew's version of this account of this says that the that the thief comes immediately, Satan comes immediately to steal the word before uh, someone has an opportunity um, to understand it. Okay, so <clears throat> again, uh, faith basics here. We see that the word of God comes in contact with a person's heart, the faith that's there, and it creates a connection that will enable. See, as long as the seed. The Bible says this way, abides alone. In other words, as long as it's on a shelf somewhere uh, and, and is separate from the soil, uh, the potential that's in that seed will never be realized. Uh, but when the seed and the soil come together, this is, you know, these are the conditions uh, that will produce tremendous results. We see in Luke's Gospel, it'll produce a hundredfold uh, results uh, in an individual's life. So, when we are talking about uh, various trials and, and things that the enemy is trying to, to use uh, against you, what he's ultimately trying to do is once that faith connection is made, once the Word and the faith in your heart connect, the enemy is going to try to do everything that he can to 
to pull that seed out of that faith, separate the Word of God from the faith that's in your heart uh, before it has an opportunity to produce its intended results. All right? So, let's keep going here. <clears throat> Those by the way, so let me read it again, verse number 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who hear, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground, somebody say good ground, ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience or with endurance. Okay, Now, let's go back up to verse 13. This is where I want us to settle in tonight. It says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation fall away. So they receive the Word. It's like, man, you know, I'm so happy to hear about healing. I'm so happy to hear about prosperity. I'm so happy to hear about my freedom. And I'm so happy to hear about my righteousness. I'm so happy to hear about uh, the blessing and, 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 and the divine protection and, and all these things. In other words, we hear the Word. It awakens and arouses the faith in our hearts. There's a connection made and the results begin to develop in our lives. Okay? Now, the enemy is going to come and try to apply pressure to prevent the roots from, from being developed. In the, in the, remember, before uh, a seed grows upward and out, right, uh, it needs to put down some roots. And because it, the condition of the heart was such that it was stony ground and hard heart, it wouldn't allow the roots to go down. So the plant sprang up, and the Bible says in Matthew that the sun uh, beat down upon it, um, and it and it wilted, it withered because it didn't have the roots necessary to support it. Now, let's do this. <clears throat> the phrase "in a time of temptation fall away," in a time that's verse thirteen, last phrase of verse thirteen, in a time of temptation fall away. The word in the original language literally means to make trial of. Okay? To make trial of. Right? We, we may not say to make trial of. We might say it more like this in our common day uh, way of talking and, and, and saying things. We might say to put on trial. Okay? Um, so obviously, you know, there's been lots of you know, trials of the century. Uh, don't have to be a hundred years for it's a trial of the century, but lots of big trials. And we say, well, someone is, you know, this person is, is going on trial. They're being put on trial, okay? So when he says, uh, in a time of temptation, fall away, he, literally he's saying that they're being put on trial. They're being made a trial of, all right? Now, um, let's keep going here. Uh, those with no root, then, he says, believe for a while, but in a time of trial, 
they fall away. This is a completely different subject that we're going to get to at a later date, but I want to mention it here because, again, it's extremely important. The roots here represent, among other things, character. Okay? Roots here, among other things, represent character. Okay? Notice verse 15, and, and, and so we have these different versions of this parable because you know, just like other miracle accounts that are recorded in the different Gospels, each one provides a slightly different take and may emphasize an aspect of what Jesus taught in this parable that uh, a, a, another a Gospel writer did not emphasize. Okay? Uh, I'm in my 50s. I've, I was in church nine months before I was born. And I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard, for that matter, how many sermons I've preached uh, from this parable of the sower. It's a very important story. And so, in, you know, one time I may preach it and emphasize one aspect of it. Another time I may preach it, emphasize another aspect of it. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing with these gospel writers. And so, one of the things that the Holy Spirit chose to emphasize through um, Luke, in Luke's gospel, is that it wasn't just the individual bears fruit uh, by faith, but notice it says in verse 15 that they bear fruit uh, also with patience. Okay, And that word patience there, we might best understand it as endurance. Uh, what's communicated by this word patience is someone who remains in a position even when uh, outside pressure is trying to push them off of that or away from that position. So when we speak in terms of, of being faithmaticians and, and being men and women who not only are able to receive uh, into our possession what belongs to us by grace, uh, right? Uh, using faith to do that. Also, uh, to, to be able to minister by faith uh, to other people. Um, we cannot ignore the importance of this, of this word patience or this word endurance. Because the enemy is going to put your faith on trial. And if, if you are unable to endure... Uh, his trying of your faith, then he's going to be successful in his attack against you. Alright? Now, we also see that in addition to the roots representing character, um, when it says that they have no root, um, it also means, and think of it very simply, that, that they do not have a firm hold. Because roots are what hold a plant uh, in place. It's what, it's what secures a plant uh, in its position there in the ground. Alright? So think with me for then, think with me then for a moment, alright? He's talking about someone who hears the good news and gets excited about it. They hear the good news, right? Um, and they immediately agree. They immediately uh, lay hold of that word, okay? Um, but they do not have a firm enough hold, right, to, to, to hang on, if you will, to that truth, that promise, uh, when they're being tried, when, when pressure uh, is coming and their faith is being put on trial. Okay, so let, let me give you an example, okay? He's talking about someone who's heard, for instance, about healing and believe in healing, 
but they do not yet have a firm hold on healing. Okay? So they're, they're, it, 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 it's very easy then for the enemy uh, to get them uh, to, to release the hold they once had on what the Word of God says about healing. Or we could say the same thing about prosperity. The Bible has much to say about God's desire for you to prosper. We could say the same thing about you ruling and reigning in life. The Bible has much to say about your ruling and reigning in life. Not over other people, over devils and demons and circumstances and situations. So we hear the word about these things. We get very excited about that, right? But if we do not have a firm enough hold on these things, when the enemy brings the pressure against us, we will have a tendency to turn loose of them. As a matter of fact, notice it says that in a time of temptation, fall away. Okay? So when, when he says fall away, this carries with it the idea of, um, of abandoning or, or you know, stepping back or, or, or letting go. So fall away would, would carry with it this idea of taking a position of faith, but when the pressure is applied, uh, abandoning that position, moving off of that position. Okay? Now, thank you, Jesus. I want to I review something that we talked about. It was probably end of last year, first of this year. Um, and it's, it's a very simple statement. Some of you hopefully will smile when you hear me say it, okay? And the statement is this. Beware of calculator faith, okay? Beware of calculator faith, right? What is calculator faith? So we use this example. Um, you're, let's go back to school for a moment, and you've been given math homework, right? And instead of actually doing the math homework, you got a calculator and you pushed in the buttons, and it spit out the answers, and you simply wrote the answers down on your paper. Or, instead of using a calculator, you forgot about your math homework, and ten minutes before class, you grab your buddy's math homework, and you write down uh, everything on your page, uh, as far as the answers go, that they had on theirs. Right? So, you turn it in, and whew, crisis avoided until the teacher calls you to the chalkboard and asks you to do the math for problem number seven on the math homework, right? Now, notice what's happened here. You've got the answer right, but you don't know how you came up with that answer. In other words, you haven't done the math, right? So this is where the Holy Spirit began to develop this terminology, faithmetician, mathematician. I'm sure some of you, you know, have already put those two concepts together. But the idea behind a faithmetician is this is not someone who is simply parroting, uh, not parenting like parent of a child, but parroting like the bird that says whatever somebody else, they hear somebody else say, right? See, we cannot simply parrot what somebody else's answers and have, and have never done the faith, never done the math, never done the faith for ourselves, okay? So, in other words, certainly we hear and certainly we, we confess, but, you know, at some point, we're going to have to get into the Word of God ourselves 
and find out what the Bible has to say for ourselves and, and do the math. All right? Now, so beware of calculator faith because the devil will call you to the chalkboard of life. In other words, you talk about what you believe, you can talk about who you are in Christ, but the enemy is going to defy you. The enemy is going to challenge you. The enemy is going to bring all kinds of things into your life if he can, surrounding your life if he can, to try to contradict the position you've taken from the Word of God in faith. He's going to try to get you to abandon that position. This is why it's not just that with faith we inherit, but with faith and endurance, with faith and patience, we take possession of what belongs to us. Now, I want to build on that tonight in the time that we have remaining. Because not only will the devil call you to the chalkboard of life, he will also, at some point, haul your faith into court. Okay? He will haul your faith into court. All right? I had a, a meeting today with a good friend, and, um, and he has suffered a legitimate injustice. And, um, of course, we prayed about it and, and, and believed God about it. And, and to be honest with you, I, I did not leave uh, uh, him consulting an attorney off the table because I really feel like um, the people who have wronged him, somebody needs to haul them into court, right? Somebody needs to... Uh, and, and what I told him is not just to recover what he's lost, um, but to prevent them from using this same scam uh, against other people. And I feel confident, as skilled as they are in what they've done to him, that they've done it to other people, all right? So I want to develop this thought, and, and I probably will not be able to, uh, to get it all in tonight. We'll probably carry over into, into next, next week's uh, message on Wednesday. Um, so the enemy is a skilled accuser of the brethren. He is a skilled prosecutor. Okay? And, and we know that he is going to uh, bring uh, all kinds of sense realm evidence, uh, fact-based uh, statistics, um, vain imaginations, uh, worst case scenarios, all of these things that he uses uh, in court uh, against your faith to try and undermine it. Now, uh, I must confess that I have watched uh, a few Matlocks and a few Perry Masons and uh, I enjoy a good uh, crime drama, legal drama, uh, you know, television show, movie, what have you. And, uh, and thankfully, uh, uh, I know more about court proceedings uh, from watching them on television uh, than being involved in them directly or personally. Okay? But one of the things that we see in the preliminary hearings, uh, especially when it comes to... Um, you know, big cases, either criminal cases or civil cases, that both sides are given ample opportunity by the court 
to prepare their case, to get all of their documentation together, to get their witnesses together, um, to, uh, to, to interview uh, you know, those witnesses. In other words, um, this is uh, something that a very good attorney uh, is, is going to excel at uh, is in all the weeks, months, in some cases even multiple months leading up to a trial, they are preparing their case. Okay? And so if you are familiar with the criminal justice system, the legal system at all, you will know that there are many delays. I've had the opportunity over the years to uh, go to court uh, with, with folks that we've, you know, love and minister to that have had legal issues. And um, I'm going to say more times than not, um, the trial is always delayed uh, because one side says, uh, sorry, judge, I know that the court, the trial is supposed to take place today, but, but we're not ready. We need some more time. And, and, and many times the judge will, will grant that um, because, again, that could be a cause for an appeal later down the road uh, for them to say, hey, my client lost and the judge didn't give us enough time to prepare. But at some point in those preliminary hearings, the judge is going to look at the prosecution and he's going to ask them if they're ready for trial. Okay. And the formal uh, uh, answer, if the prosecution is indeed ready, they will say, yes, judge, we are ready for trial. Then he will go to the defense or the other side of the litigation and he will say, are you ready for trial? And that, again, if they're ready, indeed are ready, they will answer, uh, yes, sir, we are ready for trial, right? So the title of my sermon tonight, uh, and it's probably going to be part one of a series, is simply ready for trial, right? Ready for trial. The judge asks the two sides in a court case, are you ready for trial, right? I want to ask you this evening, I'm going to look you right now, I'm going to look right into the camera, okay? Are you ready for trial? Amen. Because the trial is coming. The enemy is going to haul your faith into court, into the courtroom of life, and he is going to put your faith on trial. Are you ready for trial? Can you imagine, just, just think, for a, think for a moment, I, I guess one of the, the, the biggest cases and perhaps one of the most controversial cases of all time certainly one of the biggest trials in my lifetime was the trial of O.J. Simpson. And of course, uh, th there was a lot of controversy associated with that. I'm not here to talk about that or go into all that tonight. But can you imagine for a moment, because if you remember, O.J. Simpson assembled what was called the Dream Team. I mean, he had a virtual who's who of American Jewish prudence on his side. I mean, he had the biggest names in defense attorneys that lived in, in the United States of America uh, in, in, in that day on, on his side, okay? Because obviously this is a very, very big trial with, with a lot at stake uh, for uh, Mr. Simpson. Can you imagine those men, those attorneys, uh, showing up for that trial ill-prepared? Can you imagine them showing up not ready to defend their client? Can you imagine them telling that judge, yes, yes, sir, uh, we, we're ready for trial, when in actuality, they're not ready for trial, or for that matter, uh, the other side. 
So when we, when we start talking about you know, an, an important court case, um, we, we often think in terms of you know, what takes place in the courtroom you know, once the court, you know, the judge hammers on the desk and calls the court to order and the trial begins. But even if that trial takes two weeks to complete, um, there have been literally months of preparation that goes into that two-week trial. Now, we know that the trial comes from the enemy. And any time we step up by faith into what Father has for us, we are going to meet resistance from the enemy. Now, can you imagine, I've already asked you, I've got, I'm just reading from my notes to make sure I cover it all. Can you imagine, again, a high-stakes trial and someone coming to court, showing up for trial unprepared. Can you again imagine that person acting surprised when the prosecution actually has a case prepared against them and is more than ready to go to war to make their case? Now, what am I trying to point out to you this evening? This is exactly what happens to so many born-again believers when, they, when their faith gets hauled into the courtroom of life. The enemy is prepared. He is ready. Let me, let me just go ahead, and I'm not trying to give him any kind of props or credit, but the Bible says if we're ignorant of his devices, we are at a disadvantage to him. Right? And so what you need to know about your adversary, the devil, and by the way, the Bible says that he is, your adversary is the source of your adversity. God is not the source of your adversity. He's not trying to bring adversity into your life to make you a better person. He's not trying to break you, right, so that you will, uh, you know, limp around for the rest of your life and be thankful that He didn't kill you. I mean, I hear so many, I heard some crazy stuff this morning. Uh, you know, people talking about my daddy like that, my Heavenly Father like that. And, and again, they couldn't be more wrong. It's not who He is. It's the enemy who's trying to hurt you. Well, doesn't God test us to, to, to know how much faith we have? So He knows everything but how much faith you have? He knows how much faith you have. Are you kidding me? It's the enemy. The enemy is the, is the adversary. The enemy is the source of your adversity. And, and, and he is identified in the Scripture as the accuser of the brethren. He is the one bringing accusation against you. He is the one bringing charges against you, or at least he's trying to. He's the one that's prosecuting a, 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 a case against you. <sighs> Praise God. Let me, I'm going I'm to get way ahead of myself here, but let me, just, let me try to show you what I'm talking about here. The enemy is the one who's trying to prosecute a case of cancer against you. He's the one who's trying to prove to you that you have cancer and you're going to die from it. He's the one who's trying to convince you. He's the one. You say, well, well, I'm trying to cling to the Word of God. The Bible says that I'm healed. Yes, it does. But you better be prepared. So you've got to get ready for this trial. You, you, you can't walk into a courtroom because, again, this is what I'm trying to say. The devil 
has been preparing his case against you for thousands of years. He's been prosecuting cases against humanity for millennia. He knows every trick in the book. He knows every underhanded, undermined thing that he can do when he hauls your court, your, your faith into the courtroom of life. He knows every underhanded, dirty trick to play and use against you. He's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years and you can rest assured he is ready for trial. My question tonight is is, are you ready for trial? Are you ready for trial? Do you have any idea how many people who were in the right, who were innocent, but they lost the court case and spent the rest of their life in prison because they weren't prepared for trial? <laughs> Didn't make them any less innocent. Didn't make them any... any, any any less uh, not guilty, but they were found guilty because they weren't prepared for trial. Do you have any idea how many people even have gone to death row? And I know we don't like to think about this in, in, in our country, and some folks say, well, you know, Pastor Mark, I'm, I, I just don't think that's as prevalent as, as, as you're letting on. Watch some of the uh, latest documentaries. Watch some of the stories coming out of something called the Innocence Project especially when it comes to impoverished people in the rural South and how they were railroaded because they couldn't afford a, a, a defense attorney uh, to defend them against things. Thank God DNA, and thank God for, the, for what I believe is righteous work uh, from you know, uh, attorneys that, that are taking on these cases for free uh, using DNA technology. Uh, to set a lot of people free. If you're watching America's Got Talent uh, this year, you know there's a gentleman on there who is a singer. He's one of my favorites, right? Uh, he spent, was it 36 years, I think, something like that, in prison for a crime he did not commit. And thankfully, DNA uh, has exonerated him. So again, I'm, I'm trying to show you that, you know, we sometimes have this attitude like, well, you know, I'm in the right and, 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 uh, and, and so forth and so on. But you come into, the, into, into this courtroom with an adversary who has been deceiving humanity, bringing false accusation against humanity, proving cases, again, that aren't true, that aren't right against humanity for millennia. And, and you walk in there and, 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 and face Him not ready for trial, the chances are very strong that you're going to lose. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative tonight. I'm just trying passionately tonight to help you see, all right? Um, <clears throat> Amen. Praise the name of the living God. All right, I'm out of time. Let me, let me just kind of give you a little idea of, of where we're going with this, all right? Some of you will recall, again, COVID has year of great change, amen. COVID's changed a lot of things. But um, some of this that I'm, I'm, I'm able to give to you tonight, feed to you tonight, um, it came out of a statement that was inspired, I believe, by the Holy Spirit uh, that, that rose up in me several months ago. And, and I have it in all caps in my notes. And here, here is the, here's the thing the Lord told me. He said, never make the devil's case for him. Never 
make the devil's case for him. See, here, here's what a lot of people do uh, when, when Satan hauls their faith into the courtroom of life. They go in to that trial not only agreeing with the enemy, making his case for him, I've seen a lot of people, are you ready for this? Exaggerate. <laughs> the devil is trying to uh, uh, make a case against them for a cold. And they're talking about, you know, they've got pneumonia. <laughs> In other words, not only are they agreeing with the prosecution, not only are they confessing, what it is that he is trying to prove against them, they're going in there and exaggerating it. Can you imagine if O.J. Simpson walked into the classroom and says, yeah, not only did I kill them, I killed some other people a few years ago that y'all never knew about. Ha, 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 ha. Again, it would be ridiculous you know, for him to agree with the prosecution, for him to say what the prosecution is saying. In other words, for him to make Marsha Clark's uh, uh, case for her. But yet, so many born-again believers, their faith gets hauled into the courtroom of life. Not only are they not ready for trial, they agree with the prosecution and, and start flapping their, their, their gums, right? Flapping their jaws, making his case for them and even exaggerating it, making it out to be even worse than what it is he's trying to prove against them. My friend, these, these things ought not be, okay? Last thing, and I'll pray. Every court proceeding begins with a declared position. Right? So the prosecution brought someone to trial. The judge is going to look at that defendant, and he's going to say to that defendant, how do you plead? And that defendant, again, if it's, it's in a trial setting, the defendant is going to plead what? Not guilty. In other words, that defendant is going to disagree with the case that the prosecution is trying to prove against them. Never going to agree with it, going to disagree with it. Right? So, how do you plead? How do you plead? Right? The devil says that you're going to lose your job and, and you're going to, uh, you know, fall into bankruptcy or you're going to lose your, you know. In other words, he, he starts trying to make this case against you financially, right? How do you plead, right? In other words, what are you going to say in response to his accusations? And remember now, he's going to bring some evidence. It's not true. He's, he's going to bring facts, okay? Don't even respond to his facts with other facts, you see, that's again a classic mistake. We're not ready for trial. right? We try to get on the devil's level and argue facts with him. My friend, don't let anything but the truth from God's Word come out of your mouth in these situations. Well, praise God. How do you plead? I plead not sick. Amen. I, I plead not cursed. I, I, I plead not poor. You see, are you following what I'm saying here? I, I, I plead 
I plead well. I plead whole. I plead rich. I plead free. I plead righteous. Amen. The devil starts telling you that you're not free. You plead, I am free because whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Then he's going to bring all these, well, what about, you know, what about that pornography that you can't quit looking at on the, on the computer? And what about that alcohol that you, that you can't put down? So he's going to start pleading. He, he, he's going to start bringing all kind of evidence against you. Don't you dare back down from him. You just keep speaking the truth. Right? So, we're going we're gonna to look at some things related to this. But I hope I've given you enough tonight to kind of chew on. Amen. And, and I'm hoping that it's putting these things kind of in a different light, a different way for us to see them and understand them so that we will better understand um, how to uh, respond uh, when we face these trials. Amen. All right, let me pray for you. Father, you're good to us. You're so good to us. Your word says that you're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. Father, you not only love us when we love you, you loved us when we were sinners and, and working against you. When what your Bible says, when we were your enemies, you loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. And how much more? How much more now that we've been washed in his precious blood? How much more? Now that we've been regenerated and recreated in Christ Jesus, do you love us and will you keep us and protect us? So Father, I thank you that you've given us another way of understanding um, faith and the adversarial nature, the, 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 the idea that faith, engages in conflict against the enemy, uh, the durability of our faith, the ruggedness of our faith, Lord, just the, just the sheer determination, Lord, to endure, um, even when um, symptoms uh, are present, even when, even when Father, uh, it looks like the case the enemy's bringing against us is, is so strong and so convincing. Um, Father, I believe uh, that you want to teach us how all of those facts, facts, fact-based arguments, sense-realm evidence, Lord, it all, Lord, crumbles and melts away in the light of your eternal truth. So, Father, as we go about our uh, rest of our week, Lord, um, help us to rise up and fight the good fight of faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning at 10.30. If um, we're not capable of live streaming by then, we'll obviously record the service and post it online so that you'll be able to access it that way. I do want to encourage you now uh, to go to the website, hccnow.org. Um, I have been in a sermon series uh, that's dealing directly with what we're seeing going on not just in the world around us, but in, our, in the nation around us. And um, I believe it's some answers and some insight from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that, that will help you and be a blessing to you. Amen. Good night, good things coming, and we'll see you on Sunday, if not before.